Welcome to Revenue Marketing Television, the CMO Insight Series. I am your host, Jeff Pedowitz. Today, we have with us Peg Miller, who is Vice President of Marketing for TaxGuard. Peg, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. You bet. So tell us a little bit about uh, what TaxGuard does. Right, so TaxGuard, we work in a very narrow niche of the market, helping commercial lenders do due diligence on their um, customers. So we go directly to the IRS, gather data, and provide that to lenders so that they know if customers are going to be good for their loans or not. So it's a very niche, interesting market to work within. Oh, it sounds really fascinating. So from a marketing perspective then, what are some of the bigger challenges that you face? Right. So as I said, because we're a pretty narrow niche, um, our lead funnels are not traditional and fat and wide like some high-volume lead funnels. We're very um, narrow and targeted in what we do, which can be an advantage and it can also you know, cause you to really stretch yourself. Um, but we really focus downline a lot and mid-funnel and below so that we make sure we're converting the people that we do talk with. Um, once we once they understand our value proposition, they tend to convert well. Um, so we're less about very high in the funnel and more about mid to bottom funnel. You say that your your market is niche oriented. So are you employing more account based marketing techniques? We actually are doing some account based work, and sometimes it's as basic as having our CEO go make an introduction at an industry event and follow up with another CEO, and then kind of turn that off to decision makers and work through our sales team. So, again, um, we're you know at times we're deploying just sort of good old fashioned sales and marketing alignment tactics, um, not doing a lot of automation there, but it's more getting the team in the room, making sure anybody who touches a customer really understands, you know, who are our key accounts that we're going after, what is their role, you know, from the pre-sales on up to the CEO, through the sales and marketing team, and even with our post-sale, you know, kind of our TAMs or our customer success team that works with customers post-sale, we want to make sure everyone's aligned and really understanding the needs of that account whether they're in the prospect stage or they've become a customer with us. Uh, and like I say, sometimes it, it gets pretty old fashioned and manual, but um, that seems to be producing good results for us. And, you know, we're winning business from customers like American Express and Bank of America and so Great very large nice. enterprises, even though we're a, we're a small company in a space, honestly. That's really exciting. And uh, it's also very validating, right, that the bigger companies, they're going to, they're going to invest in what works, regardless of what the company size is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit then about metrics. What are you being evaluated on? Right. So we're evaluated, you know, we're very closely aligned to sales and revenue. Um, we look at the traditional marketing metrics through the funnel and we do a monthly review both in our team, um, you know, amongst the marketers. But then we share that out with the leadership team and, of course, with the CEO and COO to make sure we're all in agreement. The things that we're testing, are they coming through the way we predicted and what have we learned um, through our uh, experimentation models that we're doing? Um, so, uh, you know, to get specific about our metrics, it can vary anything from. Um, conversion metrics on the website, how many people are um, converting into demo, what are their, uh, are they accepting a sales call after they've asked for one, are they converting after the sales call, and how long are their days to close. So, you know, it kind of moves into the typical sort of SaaS metrics that you would think of um, on the revenue side of things. 
Um, and interestingly enough, through some of the tests that we're doing, we're learning that, um, you know, I'll just give you a case study because I think it's been interesting. I love right? case studies. You love case studies, I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> why not? Uh, but, you know, before... Wait, wait, wait. I want to get popcorn. Hold on a second. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Get a cup of coffee, something. Uh, but the point is, you know, before I got there and you know, the, the kind of marketing efforts that we were doing, we weren't really being very aggressive on our website to convert people through our funnel. So we had, you know, a situation where we just, we upped the conversion, we changed the website, we um, fixed bad forms, we put fewer fields in where necessary. And then most importantly, we added just a good old fashioned, like I say, schedule my demo button at the top of our site in the navigation and also embedded in the content. That's actually performing very well for us. And um, so what we're seeing is about, you know, we, we thought it'd be about half a percent of our website traffic and that's about what it's running. Okay. Um, which, you know, is a decent conversion for that strong of a hand raise, honestly. And once we can get them on the phone with our sales team, we're, like I said, we're seeing a conversion in the 25 to 30% range and the days to close have dropped from nine months down to like 14, 15 days. Wow. Um, so we're seeing good solid hand raises there. And again, it's once people start to understand that value proposition, we sort of warm them with, you know, our, our white papers or our webinars that kind of explain where we fit into their due diligence process. Once they get that and they start to understand it, and especially when we're talking to the underwriters who, you know, are dealing with this every day, they get it. And the conversation becomes less about, you know, why should I do this and how would I actually implement your tool inside of my process? So we feel like we sort of cross that line then um, into that close part of the sales process. That's awesome. So from a customer perspective, because you said that you do, at least in pre-customer, you're doing more mid and lower funnel. Um, what to, to what degree are you involved in lifecycle marketing with your customers after the sale, onboarding, um, expansion, renewal? Right. Well, that's why I love what I do and where I'm at because, as I mentioned, we're a we're a moderate we're about a ten million dollar company, a private company, and so growing at a pretty high rate. Um, but the nice thing is there's an appetite for innovation inside of the organization, and also. Um, a very good sort of understanding of how marketing can implement and help drive not only the pre-sales process and the close process, but also the post-sale process. Um, and I come from a background, obviously, of, you know, I, I ran the customer success team at Compost when I was there and I've always, you know, kind of had this love in my heart for the sales process, even though I'm a marketer in most of my career, I've, I've worked in these other areas too, but I'm marketing first, but I really have an affinity towards pre-sales and post-sales. Um, so one of the things that we're implementing right now, we're in the process is sort of re-engineering our onboarding process. And that includes, you know, all the content that we're providing and the scripts and the, you know, the guidance for the TAMs of what you talk about when and reselling the value proposition. Um, one of the most important things I've seen in the post-sale process is often especially in SaaS and software, your user is different than your buyer. So you may have the sales team completely well-equipped to close the deal and the buying decision gets made and then you move into implementation mode post-sale and you realize, wow, these users don't even know who we are or why they you know, purchased our product or service. 
So we're getting much better about re-educating that initial user, helping them, you know, understand our value proposition again, and of course, teaching them how to use our tool. Um, and then just making sure that that process makes sense, um, setting up key milestones, like what, do, how, how do we measure success? What is proper utilization of our tool? Um, and how are we moving people along to get there? And so we're, we're just getting into those, you know, rolling out those processes and benchmarking it. Um, and another cool project that we're doing with our marketing automation provider, who I'll put in a plug for, happens to be NetResults based in Denver. And um, I'm new to them. I've only worked with them at this company, but um, it's just kind of been a light version of some of the marketing automation tools that I've worked with, which has been the right fit for us. Um, but one of the things we're doing with net results is we're actually building an API between our customer portal and their automation system so that all of our um, all of our customer outreach moves into our marketing automation system. Um, how it's been in the past is that those are sort of disjointed coming from two different systems and you know they're sometimes at odds or or you don't know the total um, communications that you're sending to any customer on any given day, week or month. Um, so we're really trying to tighten that up, set milestones and thresholds um, and triggers, you know, that queue up through our marketing automation, but also then send an alert to the TAM. Hey, this particular customer has been ordering 30 reports a month and they've dropped down to 10. What's going on? Let's reach out to them. Um, so it, what I love about this is, you know, in past organizations, I've had to use two or three or four or five tools to get that done. And now we're sort of patching that together into our primary tool, along with our marketing automation and, of course, queuing that into Salesforce. So That's great. So it sounds like you've been taking kind of a, a right-sized approach to MarTech in, in terms of how you build your structure. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, I have a four or five person team. So, again, I'll, I'll just say like, we don't have a ton of resource, um, but we do really well with what we have. And... Um, we still have a fairly complex staff, even though we try to, you know, buy things that fit us well. Um, it's never easy, is it? It's not. I mean, you try to keep that creep down and make sure you're not adding too many tools. But we've got, you know, Salesforce. So I'm um, curious because you do have a small team. Um, I'm sure a lot, a lot of marketers in your position would want to know how do you pick? Like, what what are the right skills you need in a team that size to get everything done you need to? Right. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I inherited my team and they have a lot of industry experience. And so I'm really, um, they're teaching me about the industry and I'm teaching them about marketing best practices. Um, but I found that what I look for in a team is um, that range, that ability. And when you're in a smaller organization or even a mid-market organization, you need to have that range to take on additional new um, projects. And I think if you're curious by nature, that can help you whether you're doing industry research or competitive research or figuring out a marketing automation problem or taking on a new content um, project or what have you. So honestly, it's I'm just very fortunate that my team is ready, willing, and able to take on new different things. They never get bored <laughs> and um, definitely have a variety of workload. I would say the other thing that we do pretty well is um, – we push our MarTech vendors to help us with projects that we can't necessarily 
uh, fit through, you know, the snake can't swallow the mouse on okay. our team. So, um, and I've found that the people that we work with have been very helpful um, in, you know, offering to augment where our team can't fit in or, or turn me on to an agency or a, a contractor or a freelancer who can help augment what we're already doing. So we're getting by. Oh, that's great. So what advice would you give to your fellow marketing executive on approaching the ever transformational process of marketing today? Right. Well, I would just, you know, I always go back to stay close to the customer and your sales team, because anytime you really understand the customer and your team really understands the customer, that is going to carry you through and give you the answers that you need there. You know, there might be shiny objects along the way. But honestly, if you have a product or a service that is filling a specific customer need, that makes our marketing and sales jobs so much easier. Um, so I just really recommend talk to real life customers beyond your surveys, beyond your persona work, beyond anything that you've done as far as research gathering. You know, I was we're rolling out a new feature here in a few weeks and I was on some customer calls yesterday and. Literally, I was taking down verbatim quotes that we're going to use in our marketing materials. They've given us our messaging. Yeah, so what I found is that your customers will give you the actual messaging that you need for you know going to market with any product, feature, or launch um, activity. So again, I just go back to that. Listen to your customers. Ask them questions. Get to know them. Learn about a day in their life. And when you understand that, everything else just sort of falls from there. Sage advice from Peg Miller. Great stuff as always. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Jeff. It was fun. I appreciate you having me. You bet. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.